Book One, Chapter Six of Michael Strogoff by Jules Verne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Six: Brother and Sister. However disastrous these measures might be to private interests, they were, under the circumstances, perfectly justifiable. All Russian subjects are forbidden to leave the province. If Ivan Ogaryev was still in the province, this would at any rate prevent him, unless with the greatest difficulty, from rejoining Feofar Khan and becoming a very formidable lieutenant to the Tartar chief. All foreigners of Asiatic origin are ordered to leave the province in four and twenty hours. This would send off in a body all the traders from Central Asia, as well as the bands of Bohemians, Gypsies, etc., having more or less sympathy with the Tartars so many heads so many spies undoubtedly affairs required their expulsion it is easy to understand the effect produced by these two thunderclaps bursting over a town like nizhni novgorod so densely crowded with visitors and with a commerce so greatly surpassing that of all other places in russia the natives whom business called beyond siberian frontier could not leave the province for a time at least the tenor of the first article of the order was express it admitted of no exception all private interests must yield to the public will as to the second article of the proclamation the order of the expulsion which it contained admitted of no evasion either it only concerned foreigners of asiatic origin but these could do nothing but pack up their merchandise and go back the way they came as to the mountebanks of which there were a considerable number they had nearly a thousand versts to go before they could reach the nearest frontier for them it was simply misery. At first there rose against this measure a murmur of protestation, a cry of despair, but this was quickly suppressed by the presence of the Cossacks and agents of police. Immediately what might be called the exodus from the immense plain began. The awnings in front of the stalls were folded up, the theatres were taken to pieces, the fires were put out, the acrobats' ropes were lowered, the old broken-winded horses of the travelling vans came back from their sheds. Agents and soldiers with whip or stick stimulated the tardy ones, and made nothing of pulling down the tents even before the poor bohemians had left them. Under these energetic measures the square of Nizhny Novgorod would, it was evident, be entirely evacuated before the evening, and to the tumult of the great fair would succeed the silence of the desert it must again be repeated for it was a necessary aggravation of these severe measures that to all these nomads chiefly concerned in the order of expulsion even the steppes of siberia were forbidden and they would be obliged to hasten to the south of the caspian sea either to persia turkey or the plains of turkestan the post of the oral and the mountains which form as it were a prolongation of the river along the russian frontier they were not allowed to pass they were therefore under the necessity of travelling six hundred miles before they could tread a free soil. Just as the reading of the proclamation by the head of the police came to an end, an idea darted instinctively into the mind of Michael Strogoff. What a singular coincidence, thought he, between this proclamation expelling all foreigners of Asiatic origin and the words exchanged last evening between those two gypsies of the Zingari race the father himself sends us where we wish to go that old man said but the father is the emperor 
He is never called anything else among the people. How could those gypsies have foreseen the measure taken against them? How could they have known it beforehand? And where do they wish to go? Those are suspicious people, and it seems to me that to them the government proclamation must be more useful than injurious. But these reflections were completely dispelled by another which drove every other thought out of Michael's mind. He forgot the Zingaris, their suspicious words, the strange coincidence which resulted from the proclamation. The remembrance of the young Livonian girl suddenly rushed into his mind. Poor child, he thought to himself, she cannot now cross the frontier. In truth, the young girl was from Riga, she was Livonian, consequently Russian, and now could not leave Russian territory. The permit which had been given her before the new measures had been promulgated was no longer available. All the routes to Siberia had just been pitilessly closed to her, and, whatever the motive taking her to Irkutsk, she was now forbidden to go there. This thought greatly occupied Michael Strogoff. He said to himself, vaguely at first, that without neglecting anything of what was due to his important mission, it would perhaps be possible for him to be of some use to the brave girl, and this idea pleased him. Knowing how serious were the dangers which he, an energetic and vigorous man, would have personally to encounter, he could not conceal from himself how infinitely greater they would prove to a young, unprotected girl. As she was going to Irkutsk, she would be obliged to follow the same road as himself. She would have to pass through the bands of invaders, as he was about to attempt doing himself. If, moreover, she had at her disposal only the money necessary for a journey taken under ordinary circumstances, how could she manage to accomplish it under conditions which made it not only perilous but expensive? Well, said he, if she takes the route to Perm, it is nearly impossible but that I shall fall in with her. Then I will watch over her without her suspecting it. And as she appears to me as anxious as myself to reach Irkutsk, she will cause me no delay. But one thought leads to another. Michael Strogoff had till now thought only of doing a kind action, but now another idea flashed into his brain. The question presented itself under quite a new aspect. The fact is, said he to himself, that I have much more need of her than she can have of me. Her presence will be useful in drawing off suspicion from me. A man traveling alone across the steppe may be easily guessed to be a courier of the Tsar. If, on the contrary, this young girl accompanies me, I shall appear, in the eyes of all, the Nicholas Korpanov of my Podorozhna. Therefore, she must accompany me. Therefore, I must find her again at any cost. It is not probable that since yesterday evening she has been able to get a carriage and leave Nizhny Novgorod. I must look for her, and may God guide me. Michael left the great square of Nizhny Novgorod, where the tumult produced by the carrying out of the prescribed measures had now reached its height. Recriminations from the banished strangers, shouts from the agents and Cossacks who were using them so brutally, together made an indescribable uproar. The girl for whom he searched could not be there. It was now nine o'clock in the morning. The steamboat did not start till eleven. Michael Strogoff had therefore nearly two hours to employ in searching for her whom he wished to make his travelling companion. 
he crossed the volga again and hunted through the quarters on the other side where the crowd was much less considerable he entered the churches the natural refuge for all who weep for all who suffer nowhere did he meet the young livonian and yet he repeated she could not have left nizhny novgorod yet we'll have another look he wandered about thus for two hours he went on without stopping feeling no fatigue obeying a potent instinct which allowed no room for thought all was in vain it then occurred to him that perhaps the girl had not heard of the order though this was improbable enough for such a thunderclap could not have burst without being heard by all evidently interested in knowing the smallest news from siberia how could she be ignorant of the measures taken by the governor measures which concerned her so directly but if she was ignorant of it she would come in an hour to the quay and there some merciless agent would refuse her a passage at any cost he must see her beforehand and enable her to avoid such a repulse but all his endeavours were in vain and he at length almost despaired of finding her again it was eleven o'clock and michael thought of presenting his podoroina at the office of the head of police the proclamation evidently did not concern him since the emergency had been foreseen for him but he wished to make sure that nothing would hinder his departure from the town michael then turned to the other side of the volga to the quarter in which was the office of the head of police an immense crowd was collected there for though all foreigners were ordered to quit the province they had notwithstanding to go through certain forms before they could depart without this precaution some russian more or less implicated in the tartar movement would have been able in a disguise to pass the frontier just those whom the order wished to prevent going the strangers were sent away but still had to gain permission to go mountebanks gypsies tziganes zingaris mingled with merchants from persia turkey india turkestan and china filled the court and offices of the police station everyone was in a hurry for the means of transport would be much sought after among this crowd of banished people and those who did not set about it soon ran a great risk of not being able to leave the town in the prescribed time which would expose them to some brutal treatment from the governor's agents owing to the strength of his elbows michael was able to cross the court but to get into the office and up to the clerk's little window was a much more difficult business however a word into an inspector's ear and a few judiciously given rubles were powerful enough to gain him a passage the men after taking him into the waiting-room went to call an upper clerk michael strogoff would not be long in making everything right with the police and being free in his movement whilst waiting he looked about him and what did he see there fallen rather than seated on a bench was a girl prey to a silent despair although her face could scarcely be seen the profile along being visible against the wall michael strogoff could not be mistaken he instantly recognized the young livonian not knowing the governor's orders she had come to the police office to get her pass signed they had refused to sign it no doubt she was authorized to go to irkutsk but the order was peremptory it annulled all previous authorizations and the routes to siberia were closed to her michael delighted at having found her again approached the girl she looked up for a moment and her face brightened on recognizing her travelling companion she instinctively rose and like a drowning man who clutches at a spar she was about to ask his help at that moment the agent touched michael on the shoulder the head of police will see you he said good returned michael 
and without saying a word to her for whom he had been searching all day without reassuring her by even a gesture which might compromise either her or himself he followed the man the young livonian seeing the only being to whom she could look for help disappear fell back again on her bench three minutes had not passed before michael strogoff reappeared accompanied by the agent in his hand he held his podoroina which threw open the roads to siberia for him he again approached the young livonian and holding out his hand sister said he she understood she rose as if some sudden inspiration prevented her from hesitating a moment sister repeated michael strogoff we are authorized to continue our journey to irkutsk will you come with me i will follow you brother replied the girl putting her hand into that of michael strogoff and together they left the police station End of chapter six